Hello, good morning. This is Rick Pina, and I'm bringing you today's word for December 14th, 2021. What I do on this podcast is I share the word of God with you on a daily basis, five days a week from a work week perspective. I get the word down in your heart early in the morning so that you can start your day, maximize every day as unto the Lord so that you could do what it is that God has called you to do so that you could be the man, the woman that God has called you to be so you can understand because the word of God contains the, the character the attributes and the nature of God. So you can understand God better. The, the better you know the word of God, the better you will know the God of the word. So as we're seeking to close out this year, I want you to open up your heart to receive what God is about to say to you today. So that said, let's get into the word for this morning. So yesterday I told you that this week, all week, I would be covering things from my book, Level Up Your Life. And so in this book, uh, what I did was I shared how to level up your life in five areas. And then we have five days this week. So I'm covering those five areas in the five days. So yesterday we did leveling up spiritually. Today I'm going to cover leveling up financially. And these are just excerpts from the book. Obviously, there's a lot more in the book. And if you don't have the book yet, you should check it out. It's on Amazon. So um, before I get into the message for this morning, I did share with you yesterday that this month we're celebrating 24 years of today's word, 24 years. And so I posted that on social media. I got a lot of comments and actually it caused me to really think about meditate. Just take a few moments to think about 24 years, 24 years of doing anything, right? I was in the army for 25 years. You do anything for that long. My God. I mean, that's, there's a level of, of consistency and dedication and all of that that comes with doing this for that long. And then really, when you think about it, you know, for the remainder of my days, for the rest of my life, I have to do whatever it is that God has called me to do. There's no retirement plan for the believer. So as I thought about 24 years of today's word, and listen, at the end of the day, I, I'm, you know, I'm a Dominican kid from Brooklyn. God, God still amazes me. I'm still amazed on a regular basis how God uses me for his glory. I'm blown away by it. But as I thought about these 24 years, let me just share a few thoughts with you about that before we get into the message for this morning about leveling up financially. So we all have individual callings from God, like all of us, right? I told you, I tell you that every morning when your feet hit the ground, your calling is calling you, right? So we all have a calling from God, whatever it is we're called to do. It's an individual calling. And each of us is uniquely gifted and anointed and graced to do whatever it is that God has called us to do. But this also means that God has done his part. That doesn't mean that we're going to do our part. So God has called us, everybody. God has graced us, everybody. God has given us individual gifts and talents and all of that, everybody. That's God's part. God's part is done. That doesn't mean that we're going to respond. Not every, Actually, the majority of the people on this planet are not going to respond to God's calling. And so, and even for those that do respond and, and make Jesus their Lord, there's a certain level of those, like there's levels to commitment and dedication and faithfulness. So you can, you can be born again and then not be faithful. You can be born again and then not be dedicated. So I, I personally don't claim to be anything special or anyone special, meaning I'll explain here in a minute. Um, the closer you get to God, the less you think of yourself. And so, so the more that I've been walking with God, I've been walking with God for 26 years, the closer you get to God, 
the less you think of yourself. Now, to be clear, now, I do believe what God believes about me. So as it relates to that, God's perspective, yeah, I am, I can do all things through Christ. You know, who do you think you are? Well, I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above only, not beneath. I'm a king's kid, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Yeah, I got it. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, I'm all of those things, but I'm just saying, my, my point is that my confidence is not in me. My confidence is in God, right? Me, on a personal level, I've already made more mistakes than I want to remember, right? I, I have I have failed God more times than I want to admit. I know that I'm going to get to heaven. And while I'm striving to get out of me everything that God placed in me while I'm in the land of the living, I, I know that I'm going to get to heaven to realize that I missed out on some stuff. I mean, like maybe I was hard-headed, I was stiff-necked, I wasn't listening, I was selfish, I was full of pride, whatever, right? So at the end of the day, all I can do now is for the re remainder of my days, is live out my life with a dedication, with a, a commitment to perseverance, to faithfulness, and to becoming a conduit of God's love and God's light in this world. So that said, you know, as I think about it, over these over these 26 years, I've seen a lot of people come and go. And I've seen a lot of people like raise their hand like, oh God, I, you are my life. You know, I give you my life. I dedicate my life to you, God. I will never go anywhere. I'm with you and all of that. I've seen a lot of those people come and I've seen a lot of those people go when things got tough. And so Jesus, he was kind of hard on those kind of people. Like, I mean, Jesus was like, you know, yeah, yeah, your, your lips, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. And even people that are inconsistent or just do things for a short burst of time, Jesus was kind of hard on those people too. Uh, uh, like, for example, one of the things I like to point out is that Peter walked on water, but Pete, but right after Peter walked on water, Jesus got on him for just having a short burst of faith, like a short burst of faith. And so let me explain. Jesus, I mean, walked on water, obviously. And then Peter was like, is that you? You know, it was like, yeah, if that's you, bid me to come. He said, come. And so he started walking. As he's looking at Jesus, He's walking on water and he takes a few steps and he's actually walking on water. But then he shifted his focus to the winds and the waves. And then as soon as he did, boom, he fell down in the water. Now he called out for Jesus. Jesus picked him up. But you know what Jesus didn't say? Jesus didn't say, hey, Peter, man, you walked on water, dude. You took a few steps. Glory to God. You and I, just you and me are going to go down in history as the only two humans who ever walked on water. Jesus didn't say that at all. Peter walked on water. Peter was the only one to get out the boat. And, and Jesus looked at Peter and said, dude, you of little faith, why did you doubt? He called Peter's faith little. Peter walked on water and Jesus called it little faith. Now it wasn't little as in type. It was little as in duration. And, and Jesus's point is that anybody can have a short burst of faith. I can't tell you how many times people get a word on Sunday. Oh my God, this is life change. This, I would never be the same. And yeah, but by Wednesday, they don't even remember the word. Anybody can have a short burst of faith, but God is looking for people to be consistent. God is looking for people to come in day in, day out to be who it is that God has called you to be and to live by faith. And so I pray that you would live a consistent life. I may not be a lot of things, but one of the things that God has graced me to be, and I'm dedicated to being it, is consistent. And consistency in Christ, the, the force of consistency, the word patience is a Greek word, hupomone, which means the force of consistency. Basically, if you are consistent, you are consistently consistent, consistently the same day in and day out. 
at least with me, like uh, one of the one of the things that my older kids know, they'll even tell my younger kids, hey, with dad, at least you know what you're going to get. Right. With dad, I mean, dad is, is not going to change. Like, you know, with dad, it's never like dad is wavering. With dad, you come to dad, you know what you're going to get from dad. You're going to get the word. You're going to be consistent. He is who he is and he's not going to change. So I, I, I may not be a lot of things, but at least with me, you know what you're going to get. What you see is what you get and you got to be consistent. So that said, let's get into the word for this morning as it relates to leveling up uh, financially. So here we go. You ready? So uh, in the book, I cover a lot of things. I'm just going to give you a few things uh, for this morning and then, uh, and then I'll release you into this day. So the first, first thing for today, uh, number one, God wants you to be in a position to give to the poor or the less fortunate. Now, the Bible says, the poor you will have what you always. Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 11. The poor you will have with you always. Now, there's a lot of reasons why, why people are poor or less fortunate. Uh, and there's levels to this, right? And there's levels to that because uh, as uh, in the book, I share that there was a, a study that, that qualifies poor in the United States as 30 times, uh, 31 times higher than poverty in other nations. Let me, let me explain saying that in the United States, what we consider to be poor or poverty, poverty in the United States is actually 31 times higher than poverty in other nations, right? And so I was born in Brooklyn. I was raised on, on welfare, food stamps, government cheese. And, and while thankfully my, my mother, who's an immigrant, we never lacked for anything in the, the United States standards, I was considered poor. Isabella, that's a different story. Going back to this, like, you know, poor here is not poor there. And so in the book, I talk about how after we got married, we go home to, and my mom pulls out this album. You know how moms do. And they say, oh, you married my son. So here's this album. And so, you, you, you know, and, and so she starts looking at it. She was like, wait a minute. I thought you said you were poor. I was like, yeah, I was poor. I grew up poor. It's like, dude, you wasn't poor. You had food. You had toys. You had, you had Atari. You had a computer. And you had pictures. Pictures. And that, that what. When she said that, that kind of blew me away. She was like, I don't have pictures because we didn't have a camera. So when you think about it, like, I was like, mind blow. Like, that's a whole nother level. I got it. So, so I knew that, you know, no running water, you know, uh, no indoor plumbing. Uh, Isabella, you know, grew up like that. My family in the Dominican Republic grew up like that as well. Going to the Dominican Republic as a kid, I had to go to the outhouse. We had no plumbing. I had to bathe in the river, all of that. So I know what that's like, but I would just say, like, there's levels of poverty. And, and, and at the end of the day, some people are in that situation, like, you know, either poverty because they were born that way or poor financial decisions, or there's a lot of reasons, right? Some financial literacy in the United States is not taught in schools. So there's a, there's a low level of financial literacy in, in, um, in underrepresented or, or disadvantaged communities. Financial literacy is almost nil, right? So at, at the end of the day, there's a lot of reasons why people are, are this way, but Jesus said, the poor, you're going to have what you always. So there are people that are, that are going to be struggling and there are people that are going to be struggling like forever. So what do we do about it? Well, one of the things that we're supposed to do about it is be a blessing, is, is to help facilitate the needs of other people. I run into people all the time that say, well, Rick, I don't need an, an, a lot. You know, I just want enough for me and my four and no more. I just want enough for me. I don't want a whole lot. I just, I just need enough for me. That's it. I just want enough for me. And while that sounds good, and some people might even say it sounds spiritual, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's selfish. Uh, if, if all you're focused on is you, then that's it. Let's be honest. Let's call a spade a spade. 
you're being selfish. At the end of the day, God wants us to minister and you minister out of your overflow. I can't give you peace if I don't have peace. I can't give you love if I don't have love. You can't come with your marriage and say, hey, can I talk to you and Isabella? Because our marriage really needs help. Well, I can't give you something I don't have. If my marriage needs help, I don't need to talk to you. You know, I can't. And so at the end of the day, no, we you minister out of your overflow. And as it relates to finances, is the same thing. If you can't pay your own bills, you're not going to be able to help somebody else pay their own, pay theirs. You know, so you you minister out of your overflow. God wants us to have more than enough. If you read the Bible, actually, the the whole concept of I just want enough for me. Not only is it selfish, it's not biblical. Like I mean, like I, if you read the Bible, you're going to see that God gives us more than enough in every area, so we can minister to others in every area. And so finances is is not one of those areas that we need to leave it out. Yes, God can minister to us to have more than enough so that we can minister to other people. And the church said, amen. All right, number two, let's talk about Jesus's answer to poverty. Jesus's answer to poverty. So Jesus's answer to poverty was not money. Let me say that again. Jesus's answer to poverty was not money. In Luke chapter seven, John the Baptist, which is Jesus's cousin, um, he found himself in jail. He was he did, he's, he actually said something he shouldn't have said he, uh, against a, a government official, and he wound up in jail, and he was about to be beheaded. And um, so he got frustrated because he wanted his cousin Jesus to come get him out of jail. And Jesus was like, look, <laughs> I got other things to do. And it, it, Jesus, just, Jesus only did what the Father led him to do. That's it, right? And he didn't take on guilt for anything. Like, no, th- th- that's a lesson right there. Don't let people put pressure on you to do something that you're not being led of God to do. Just do whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to do. So Jesus's cousin said, man, you tell my cousin, matter of fact, you tell my cousin, are you the Messiah? He sent, he sent his disciples, John, he sent his disciples to say, are you the Messiah or should we look for another, right? Are you the Messiah or should we be looking for somebody else? And, and, and Jesus is like, well, listen, First of all, my cousin knows that I'm the Messiah, right? I mean, he he leaped in his mother's belly when 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 he was still in the womb and I was still in the womb. I don't even know why he's asking this question. But you go back and tell my cousin this. You tell him what you've seen and heard. Tell him this. Here's the answer. The blind see. The lame walk. The lepers are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised to life. And the gospel is preached to the poor. So I know you probably didn't catch that. Jesus always provided the answer. So what was the answer? He says, okay, here, you, this is what I want you to tell my cousin. When I, when I meet somebody that's lame, I provide the answer. What's the answer to being lame? Well, the ability to walk. When I meet somebody that's a leper, I provide the answer. What's the answer to being a leper? Clean skin. When I meet somebody that's deaf, I provide the answer. What's the answer to being deaf? The ability to hear. When I meet somebody that's dead, if God, if the father leaves me, I provide the answer. What's the answer to being dead? Life. Glory to God, right? And so he says, and when I meet somebody that's poor, I provide the answer. What's the answer to being poor? I give them the word. I give them the word. Jesus never walked up to anybody and said, hey, man, here's $5. You know, here's $10. Here's some money. Look at it. Jesus never gave anybody any money. He says, no, the answer to being poor is the word of God. I can give you some money today. 
Yeah, I can give you, I can meet your immediate needs, but if I don't change your heart, if I don't change your mind, if I don't get the word down inside of you, then you will never walk out of poverty. Jesus's answer to poverty is the word. He said, if I can get the word down inside inside of somebody, glory to God, and they're and they're in a in a poverty-stricken situation, but I get the word down inside of them, and they was raised in poverty, but I get the word down inside of them, then one day they're gonna look in the mirror and see it as Jesus is, so am I in this world, and they're gonna walk themselves out of poverty. And so you gotta get the word down inside of the poor. Jesus's answer to poverty was not money. Jesus's answer to poverty was the word, and the church said amen. All right, number three. Um, tithing involves God in your finance. Oh my God, Rick, are you gonna talk about tithing? Yeah. And I know people get funny when you talk about money, but we're talking about money today. A lot of believers are not fully submitted to God in every area of their lives, right? And so, so some people are like, oh, I'm sold out for Christ, but you don't involve God at work. You say, oh, I'm sold out for Christ, but you don't involve God in your marriage. I'm sold out for Christ, but there, you don't involve God in your decision-making process. There are things that, that you know, if we would be honest, there's areas, there's areas of our lives that we may or may not be getting God involved in. And for whatever reason, one area where people conveniently leave God out is in an area of money and their finances, as especially as relates to, to tithing. And the thing is that God is not going to force himself on you. So if you have an area of your life that's not dedicated to God, then that area of your life is just not dedicated to God. God is not going to force himself on you. He wants your submission to him to be an act of your free will. If God ever forced you to do something, then it wouldn't be surrender, it wouldn't be submission, it wouldn't be faith. And so if you leave God out of an area, then God is going to be left out of that area. You could be, God, why did this happen in my marriage? Because you never got me involved. Why is this happening with my kids? Because you never got me involved. So, so if you don't involve God in the area, then, then you are leaving God out of the area and God will stay out because you never welcomed him in. So that leads me to finances. There are people that don't involve God in their finances. And as a result, God is not involved. And so when, when things happen and pe people come, oh, well, hold on, hold on. Well, Rick, I need you to pray for me. Sure. Can you pray for my business? Oh, I need a breakthrough. Can you pray? I need this. I need a breakthrough. Okay, cool. Let me ask you a question, though, before we pray. Are you a tither? Are you getting God involved? Because you're asking to me, for me to pray about money. So is God involved in your finances? And then people get quiet. They don't like that question. Because, see, God set up a system in the earth. It's a system of sowing and reaping, right? Cause and effect and the free will of humans. And at the end of the day, our decisions and our actions matter. When we tithe, we're giving God first place. And it's not just about giving him 10%. It's not just about 10%. It's the first 10%. It's like, you know, you honor God with the first of the first. You are honoring God with the first, and you're honoring God with the best, and you're honoring God with your overflow and with the first fruits of all of your increase. And here's another reason why you should do that. Everything that you have came from God anyway. In First Chronicles chapter 29, uh, the Bible says in verse 14, all these things didn't come from me or my people. All these things came from you and we're only giving back to you the things that came from you. So when King David, this is First Chronicles 29, David is collecting up money and resources for the temple. And there was so much stuff that came that he actually had to tell the people to stop. It was like, whoa, we got too much stuff. And then, and then when he was praying over it, he said, you know what? Everything that we have, as I look out over this and I'm seeing gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, precious stones, many colors, marble, all these other offerings. He said, you know, when I think about it, everything that everybody just brought, it came from you anyway. All we're doing is bringing back to you from what you already gave to us. 
And so when we honor God with our finances, we're just honoring God with a portion of what he's given us anyway, because he gave us everything. And don't tell me that tithing is not for today. Tithing is, is, was in the Bible before the old covenant. And tithing is in the Bible, even in the new covenant. Let me just say this about that. And then I'll move on to the next point. Um, as it relates to tithing for today, the Bible says in, in the Hebrews, he, read Hebrews 6 and 7. The Bible says that down here, men receive tithes. But up there in the passage is talking about Jesus being a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And so, so down here, men receive tithes. But up there, he, Jesus, our high priest after the order of Melchizedek, a high priest without mother or father, a high priest forever. So down here, men receive tithes, but up there, Jesus, he, God, our high priest receives them. So when I'm tithing, I'm giving offer. Jesus himself is receiving it. He He's receiving it. And like Melchizedek did with Abraham, the Bible says without contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the greater. So Abraham brought the tithe. Melchizedek released the blessing. So when I bring the tithe, glory to God up there, Jesus is receiving it. As I bring the tithe, the lesser is blessed by the greater. I bring the tithe, he releases the blessing, and the church said amen. All right, let me just say one more thing on tithing, and then I'll move on. Do not allow anybody to put no pressure on you on tithing. Talk about a curse. We're not cursed. Like, oh, if you don't get, if you, if you rob God from Malachi, you're cursed with a curse. No, in the New Testament, we're not, gonna, we're not cursed with a curse. In the New Testament, Jesus redeemed us from the curse. We, we are redeemed from the curse of the loss. I'm not, I'm, I'm not one of those people that say, if you don't tithe, your brakes are going to fail. If you don't tithe, you're going to get a flat tire. That's ridiculous. <laughs> so at the end of the day, we tithe because we honor God, not we, because we're afraid of anything. All right. All right. Number four and finally, last point for today. Uh, we can learn about giving from the widow's offering. Remember the widow's offering? So in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 and 44, the Bible says, Jesus sat near the temple collection box. Jesus sat near the offering. He watched, oh snap, the Bible says Jesus watched as people put money into it. Now, many rich people put in a lot of money. Then a poor widow came and she put in two very small copper coins worth less than a penny, the Bible says. Now, Jesus called his followers to him and said, now this poor widow put in only two small copper coins, but the truth is she actually gave more than all the rich people. They gave out of their abundance. They gave only what they did not need. But this woman is very poor, poor, and she actually gave everything that she had. It was the money that she needed to live on, and she chose to give it anyway. Oh my God, this is what Jesus said. So let me give you some things as I close. Think about this for a minute. Jesus paid attention to what people gave. Jesus watched the offering. And he paid attention to what people gave. Here's another thing you can learn from this. Jesus was not happy with the people who only gave things that they did not need. It didn't matter how much it was. It could be thousands and hundreds of thousands, but if they don't need it, if it didn't mean anything to them, then it doesn't mean anything to God. If it doesn't mean anything to you, then it doesn't mean anything to God. The woman didn't give 10%. She gave 100%. And she gave 100% of something that she needed to live on. Now, notice that Jesus did not give her her money back. This is where this is where people today that don't understand sowing and reaping, people that don't understand the kingdom of God, people that don't understand how God works, then, then people will say, oh, this is wrong. That church is manipulating people. That church is taking stuff from poor people. The pastor's driving a Cadillac, and here you got poor people. You know, this is ridiculous stuff. They don't understand how the kingdom works. Jesus was like, didn't stop the offering. Hold on, this is not right. Let's give her her money back because she really needs it. No, no. Notice that Jesus didn't tell, give her her money back. Not because she needed it. Watch this. This woman could not afford to give 
Therefore, from Jesus's perspective, she could not afford not to give. Let me say that again. She could not afford to give. Therefore, from Jesus's perspective, she could not afford not to give because the whole earth operates on a system of sowing and reaping, cause and effect, and the free will of humans. Jesus knew that she needed seed in the ground and she was putting seed in the ground. And because she was putting seed in the ground, Jesus applauded her. Jesus was like, man, you gave a hundred percent. You gave what you needed. You gave things that you needed to live on. Man, look at that. He didn't say that was bad. He said that was amazing. You know why? Because he knew that her harvest would outweigh her seed. There's no way. Jesus is like, my father is the Lord of the harvest. And there is no way my father would never be in debt to you. There is no way that my father is going to let you down. Oh no, this woman gave things that she needed to give, things that she needed to live on. And my father, who's the Lord of the harvest, will see to it that she reaps a harvest on every seed sown. Let me applaud this woman. These people, they gave some stuff that they didn't even need to give. They, it didn't even move them. They didn't even care about it. This woman, she oh, she felt that thing. When she gave those two coins, she felt it because that's all she had. She didn't have anything else. And because she gave my father, who's the Lord of the harvest, she couldn't afford to give, but she couldn't afford not to give. And, and I'm telling you, when you give like that, when you, when you honor the Lord with your finances and you're giving to where you know is moving you to give and you're giving and you're honoring God and you're saying, God, you are my source. You are my supply. And you give that way. Our God will never be in debt to you. Our God, who is the Lord of the harvest, will see to it that you that you reap a harvest on every seed sown. Say amen to that. Let's close this message out with a declaration of faith. I want you to lift up your voice and speak this over your life. Say this. Say, Father, you have blessed me richly. Everything I have came from you. Giving back is not something I've got to do. Giving back is something I get to do. I am honored that I get to give back out of what you have first given me. So I honor you with the first tenth of all of my increase. Beyond that, I am led of the Holy Spirit to give financial offerings. And I do so with a cheerful heart. I don't give because I'm afraid of being cursed. I don't give because I'm obligated to give. I give because I love you and I'm able to sow into your kingdom. And my giving authenticates my trust. My giving proves to you that I can be trusted with overflow and I will fund kingdom projects. Therefore, Father, you are free to give me an abundance. I will do whatever you lead me to do. I will manage the overflow and the abundance and I will do it for your glory. Living this way, I level up in every area and I boldly declare that greater is coming for me. I declare this by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. This is today's word, so please apply it. And prosper. Once again, this is just a small excerpt from what's in the book. If you don't have the book, get it today. It makes a good Christmas gift. Listen, I'm going to release you into this day. These recaps, I'm, I'm really enjoying this. I believe this is going to be a blessing to you. We're going to go through all five areas this week, and then we'll get ready for Christmas and New Year's and all of that stuff. So listen, if this message was a blessing to you, please share it on your social media, on your timeline, and with your friends. And also go into the comment uh, comments and leave me a comment if this message was a blessing to you. I like to read those comments. Have an amazing day. I'll see you tomorrow morning. God bless you.